The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode... Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we are watching Predator. 1987's Predator, to mark the release of 2018's The Predator. We'll probably get onto a discussion about what that's like compared to this first original appearance of The Predator in Predator, not the Predator in The Predator. Uh, it's, or, or Predators. Of course. Or indeed Alien vs. Predator. Or To Catch a Predator, which I assume is, is the same thing. <laughs> it's all thing. the same thing. Fan fiction. Excellent. Yeah. Joining me to review Predator, brackets, 1987, close brackets, we have uh, two people, someone who has seen the film, someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Sarah Curtis, everybody. It's been so long. It has. Are you a doctor yet? No, shut up. Okay. Rude. Uh, um, so, Sarah, <laughs> um, you've not seen Predator. I have not. What do you know about Predator, I, either as like a, an entity or the film itself? I'm assuming that it's some big creature, that there is a monster who is the uh, Predator without mm-hmm. the the. Um, I know that it's somehow connected to Alien. Because of Alien versus Predator, mm-hmm. and I have seen Alien, um, and I found out today that Arnie's in it. Yes, Yay. yeah, <laughs> because the DVD case we have literally has two words on it. Yeah, Schwarzenegger, Predator. Yeah, uh, which is kind of all you need for this. Yeah, film. I mean that's what the film gets to at one point. Yeah. Mm. Uh, joining us as uh, this other voice, it is the return of Brett Cullen. How you doing, Brett? Good. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Yes, and um, just a reminder for the folks at home, we know that Sarah is almost a doctor. Mm. Uh, what are you? What do you do? Well, i got a master's degree. I mean, oh. it's pretty close. I am, uh, I guess you'd say, a professional academic these days, but I'm also dabbling in game development stuff and helping out with the local industry and that kind of thing. You have seen Predator. Yeah, I think I was saying to you, I have watched it probably at least once a year since I was nine something like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So I do know the film entirely by heart. Mm-hmm. So if I do fall asleep, don't worry, I'm still there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, my very first experience of it was my mum had taped it off the TV. And so, you know, on VHSs, you could press pause when it was recording and it would stop recording. Mm-hmm. And then you press record feature. again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, many of the current generation would have no idea what I'm talking about. But anyway, <laughs> and so she would cut out the ads on stuff that she would record. Now for The Predator, sorry. Yeah, it is the Predator. Sorry, I'm getting this, confused. Yeah, yeah, this one's Predator. Predator 1987, McTiernan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, McTiernan 1987. Uh, it is very violent. Mm-hmm. Okay, no spoilers there. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger 80s film. Uh, 
And so my mum cut out all the violence. She was so, the IT, she was ITV. Mm-hmm, <laughs> That's mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> so my first experience of the Predator was a very safe for kid cut. Mm. Uh, and you'll see there's there's bits where you can almost mentally go and stop there and pick up there. So the uh, the last two acts are very truncated. Mm. Uh, but then my mum being amazing. I remember standing in the kitchen and asking her what happened and she essentially retold the entire film to me standing in the kitchen, right? And so I was absolutely enthralled. And from there, I had this kind of fascination with this film because it was almost forbidden taboo. Mm. And I think it must have been about 15, 14 or 15 when I saw the, I was, you know, allowed, quote unquote, to Mm. get the uncut VHS out, Mm. um, which from memory is R-rated. It is our right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you know pretty heavy duty, mm. um, and then yeah, from there, every other year. So the first few experiences were, were edited, mm. edited for uh, for you know cleanliness, uh, to protect my innocence. Yeah, I I, I do appreciate the fact that uh, Mama Cullen decided, mm. um, okay. He clearly wants to see the predator, uh, the predator slash predator. Oh, this is the worst. Shane Black, what have you done to us? Um, no, but you can't do it now because it's yeah, it's yeah, bookended. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, clearly wants to watch this this very violent film. Mm. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say yes, but I'm not gonna say no. I yes. really appreciate that. I'm gonna say that's yeah. uh, parent of the week. There we go. Yeah, new feature. Bum ba da bum. Yes, it um it was great because then that led into. Alien and Aliens, which, you know, I saw Aliens first. And it was the same experience of having the violence cut out. And mm. then that gave me like a pathological neurosis, fear of the xenomorph and that kind of thing. But we'll talk about that after. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I have my own experience because I have seen Predator. I saw Predator 2 first. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I was, I think I would have been about nine as well. Set in the far future of 97. It was. 1997. Um, and I think it would have been about... It would have been the late 90s. I think it would have been after 97 when I saw it as an mm. eight, nine-year-old. And I, I did not have uh, a parental edit. <laughs> this okay. was literally just, I had access to the television and watched Predator 2. Uh-huh. Um, which I think is the first film I saw a topless woman in. Yep. Parent yep. fail. Yeah. Right before the smash cut yeah. to the Jamaican dude's head. Yeah. yeah. And I remember essentially watching it and I, as an eight, nine-year-old going, oh, that seemed a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> That is such an English reaction. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being like scary, but not in a way where it made me go run away and be scared of the predator. So that when I went and watched Predator a few years later, when I was probably about fourteen, fifteen, and watched the the proper version, I went, "Yeah, this is this is fine." Um, Mm. But yeah, it's it's interesting, and I'm I'm quite looking forward to watching it again because I I think it's been about ten years since I last saw it. So uh, shall we shall we watch Predator? Absolutely. I'm feeling rather overwhelmed. It's going to be great. Yeah. All right. For those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and get to the chopper. Or your VHSs. Oh, yeah. VHSs. Yeah. Yeah. Pop in your uh, Mama Cullen edited VHS. (laughs) (laughs) Soon to appear on eBay. Mm. And uh, prepare to watch Predator 1987. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thought Jar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com 
click the Listen Online tab and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's AtlantisRadioPlay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. back everybody we have just finished watching predator and by we i of course mean brett cullen and sarah curtis <laughs> there was a lot of bongos i told you yeah i was, was very happy with all the bongos you didn't believe me when i said prepare for bongo well like and when you said it, it i was like it has to now have a lot of bongo yep. and it did it delivered delivered as, as well as the a lot of bongo uh sarah this was your first time watching it yes it was what did you think of predator well it wasn't what I was expecting. Okay. It was nothing like I was expecting. What were you expecting? I'm not sure. Probably something a lot more gory. Mm-hmm. Um, more creature featurey. Like I like that it wasn't as creature featurey. Cool. Yep. But I think like these days when you have a creature feature, we see more creature in the mm. feature. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that back in the day, you know, they're working with less effects than um, we currently have. It was a wise decision to only have it in certain amounts, like to get over the shock value. Mm-hmm. You know, these days we don't have so much of a shock value. So it's like, oh, we have the creature for like 90% of the film. Ah, look at that. Um, so I like that they did that. I think I was expecting more like space and sci-fi oh, okay. things. Okay. But instead what you got was a um, probably a, a pretty good reflection of the experience of uh, American Western soldiers in Vietnam, cleverly disguised mm. as a... Um, oh, I didn't see that coming. I'm going to comment on like the whole Contra situation in the, in the 80s and stuff as yeah, well of the, you know, South American incursions. The, and, there is a lot more of that in this than I remember yep. from, from previous feelings. It's pretty much two separate films. The, the majority of it is a military, you know, in-country thriller action. And then it becomes essentially a horror movie. Because hmm. if you replace the soldiers with teenagers and replace the jungle with a summer camp... Pretty much the same you film, You have yeah. the same film. It's a, it's a slasher horror film. And that's, that's what I love because it was. It was totally marketed as this military, you know, gung-ho, hoorah. But, you know, it doesn't matter. These are so supposed to be like peak soldiers. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. And, and also the fact that for example, I forgot the order in which the, the soldiers got killed. So mm. Jesse Ventura being the second one that gets killed was mm-hmm. quite surprising in, in that sense. And I think it, it probably really um, uh, aids the film in that sense where you, you don't know who's going to be next. You just have a pretty good idea that it won't be Arnold. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I was pretty sad that I was expecting three people to survive and only two did. So mm. yeah, I was off by one. I know you called it. You called it on a lot of it, though. Mm. Billy cutting himself to... Uh... <laughs> To face off, but you know, he was the only one that got it. Mm. He was the one that went, mm, no, I need to kind of stand and challenge whatever this thing is. Mm. And, and that will be, and that's why he got his spine ripped out. Whereas the other guys were just like, Pfft. yeah. So when the, when the predator has those skulls, when he's in the tree, mm. are they meant to be the skulls of the other people? No, I think they're the previous, previous kills. Previous okay. kills. Yeah. Cool. Just, just checking, because one of them obviously had the hole in the head, which yeah. obviously Mac got well, shot. Well, no, in the head. Mac didn't have a hole in his head, as well, we saw. Right. Okay, there is that. Um, There's a weird, yeah, weird shot there where it, yeah. this shot from behind his head where all his blood just spilled out onto the camera. And then you actually get another shot of the back of his head and there's like no exit wound. Yeah. And then you see him from a distance when Carl Weathers sees him. 
and he's not no entry no wound. entry wound. So, so like, where weird. did he? How did he die? Maybe the predator just tricked him into thinking that his head exploded. Yeah, and he reverse it. psychology. Yeah. You're not dead. What up? <laughs> Um, so, so the film did start with a little bit of space, though. We mm. saw the spaceship uh, heading towards Earth and, and dropping off uh, what it turns out to be the Predator. Mm. Um, I don't know if I actually like that no. on this viewing. I, I, I almost feel as though it does set up the, the kind of, okay, so this thing is otherworldly. You can mm. make that connection. But I, I don't know whether it would have been a better film if they if there'd been more of that mystery. I, I get agree. it. I mean, I get why they did it. I also agree that it wasn't necessary. Mm. But from the perspective of the era, okay, Star Wars has come out. They have those space shots right at the beginning mm. where they sort of say, this is a space movie. Um, so, you know, that's popular. Plus, you know, we got about five minutes into the jungle and I was like, oh, okay, I see why they did that because we haven't seen any alien space monsters yet. So yeah, it's it sets about- it up. I think it's about almost 45 minutes, something like 45, 50 minutes before you get that first thermal shot. Mm. So you actually, the distance between that space shot and anything spacey happening, that's kind of, I think that's a long distance, but it would have been, and I'm pretty sure that that shot was put in, the space shot was put in without McTiernan's know-how or anyone's saying the actual movie. Mm. Because yeah, I think they would have gone, oh, you know, I don't think the audiences will get it. You know. Well, there are, it, there are lots of moments where it seemed like, oh, we don't think the audiences will get it because yeah. the moments where we're seeing them going, okay, so this has happened. And then they explain it three more times yeah. just in case. He didn't see me. Mm. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. the mud. <laughs> I'm covered in mud. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, all in all, it, it's, it's, pretty, um, it's pretty enjoyable. It's not, I, I also like the fact that um, it is a very efficient film. Mm. Um, it's, it starts with... Um, that space shot and then the the group of soldiers arriving in this um non-specified probably south american jungle mm. um and and you have um you know we get introduced to the characters very efficiently as well you know there's dutch who's the one who's the protagonist yeah. um played by uh, mr schwarzenegger there's um carl weathers as dylan and the, and the best handshake in movie history oh, yeah dylan you son of a bitch <laughs> arm wrestle it's um that's yeah. what i do when i see all my mates yeah yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, i lose yeah yeah but you do it though and that's the important thing yeah and i mean this this you know that might be in a movie full of uh machismo moments i think that might be the most machismo moment <laughs> in the entire uh, film. getting the minigun out and just going it's mm. you know it's essentially a gun penis that's true that's yeah. true but yeah i just love the you know those two big sort of like arm pythons uh-huh. just like wrestling against each other. Just this grotesque bulging flesh. But yeah. I I also like the fact that it sort of showed that there is it essentially summed up the relationship of Dutch and Dylan for this entire film where mm. they're sort of pushing against each other but you know Dutch is going to win yeah. as yeah. as he does with that that arm wrestle. That was some that was some really lovely foreshadowing. I think they they did a really ni- a nice job with that. But then they had the weird character development <laughs> with what was the uh the second guy's name? Uh, Dylan. Dylan. Yeah, yeah. So when Dylan, like the whole film, he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm secretly betraying you, and you know, we mm. secretly aren't, you know, friends anymore." And then right at the end, he's like, "Ah, oh, no, like I'm gonna go and save the day." But I I think there was clearly they know each other, they've worked with each other before, and he says, "You know, what's with the tie stuff?" So mm. clearly they've kind of they have the lighters from a previous job. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So-, so it's it's him remembering, I guess, what he used to be and trying to have a noble exit or something. But yeah, it's a bit flimsy to yeah. for him to flip. Yeah. So so very, it was very sudden. I'll go save the other black guy. Yeah. Which was interesting, I thought. Uh, a, little, a little bit. Although, I mean, I, I, I did quite like... Um, 
I, I really enjoyed pretty much all of the characters in this. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, for, for a 1980s action movie, having two black guys was pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. progressive. And also the fact that because they were all soldiers uh, together, the, there was um, this sort of, there was just this sort of camaraderie of we are all soldiers. There was no real like racial vilification yep. that came that came majorly into the film. There was that one moment. There was one moment where Jesse Ventura spits on uh, Dylan's shoe, but yeah. I, I you think could... that's racial. That was more disrespect for the fact that he's a CIA operative. I think. Yeah, mm. it it could also be that that character has got like racist undertone or something, mm. but. But then there's the bromance between him and Mac. Mm. Yeah, so it's it is interesting. Did you have a favorite um, muscle monkey in this film, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, some fa- favorite who died. Uh, just out of the, out of the troops. Did you have a favorite of those? Um... Probably Billy. Billy. I remember his name, so it's got to be my favorite. Yeah. yeah, Billy was pretty great. Noble and, savage Billy. Yeah, and an, an interesting take again on representing someone with like Native American heritage. Mm. Um, and I, I just thought it was a really interesting way of portraying that that character mm. um which again for an 80s action film seemed surprisingly sensitive yeah yeah and, and billy was an interesting character and you're right billy did get what the game was quicker than everyone else yeah. the fact that it was a game yeah uh, a, hunt. a hunt yeah yeah so uh for me i actually really like mac um mac was just nuts yeah properly crazy the yeah. whole way through anytime yeah <laughs> i like silent mac better than speaking matt yeah, yeah but it shows like I like that character progression because he goes from being this like calm, cool, you know, menacing, quiet guy mm. to just being like, I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to have some fun. That's great. I, I mm. like the progression from like, cool, quiet dude to just totally unhinged, crazy man. Mm. And it ultimately it doesn't matter because he dies on his back without knowing what's coming. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. I assume you've watched it at this point. If yeah, not, that's, that's what pretty are you much doing? what we assume from the audience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, you, you know, it, it's Predator. What do you think was going to happen? It's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. It's a romance movie, didn't you know? Well, yeah. a little bit. I mean, you know, there's the definite, um, you know, bond of friendship that we see between Mac and um, Jesse Ventura's character, mm. Blaine. Yeah. And then when Blaine gets... That's his name. Yeah, when Blaine gets his uh, hole in his chest and he's killed instantly and you see Mac, like, having that rather touching moment with him yeah. with the flask um it's yeah it's i I think that there is an interesting look at relationships in this Mm. um without any any romantic relationships though we have that we have the one female character assuming that the predator isn't a female um and she she's just sort of there as like uh untrustworthy local more than Mm. um uh, being a woman except for the fact that she had no bra it's hot in the jungle. Yeah. No, 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 you need that support. Yeah. 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 And look, and, and again, I don't necessarily think this is a film that we're looking for, for like great female representation. <laughs> no, no, I don't think, well, there's one female character in the entire film mm-hmm. and she's being rescued constantly. And she spends half of it speaking Spanish. Or... There, there are a bunch of writings of the fact that, okay, so the predator's mouth, Kind of looks like a vagina, all right? Designed by. I was going to say, uh, not not any that I've experienced. But I was going to say, I'll, I'll, yeah, which ones? You have need you seen? to be more adventurous, my friend. Okay. Um, <laughs> but and then, okay, so you've got the concept of these men being the best soldiers. They are the predators at the beginning of the film, right? Mm. We, we established that, and it's a great character building of power to then put this the alien above them without much effort whatsoever. Mm. And then you've got. Yeah, I can't remember where I read it, but there was this crazy unhinged essay of like the predator's bleeding everywhere and it's weakness and period. Uh, it was weird. 
But this is what people do with sci-fi. It's I, all I parables can, and allegory. Yeah, I can see them making those connections, though. I mean, because some people do have slightly too much time on their hands. Yeah. yeah. Says the guy making a podcast about films that he hasn't watched. Moving on. I'm going to cut that. Yeah. No, no, sometimes sometimes the truth hurts. <laughs> Almost as much as a uh, as a log to the chest, yeah. which I forgot about completely when oh, um, when Poncho gets the log oh, uh, yeah. swung into yeah, him. Yeah, because it's not a predator doing him in. Well, I mean, side of the head, but it does. But Yeah, but but that initial thing of, yeah, Poncho getting smacked in the chest was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that bit. Yeah. Whoops. Um. Although that obviously ultimately ends up being the thing which does in uh, El Predatorino mm-hmm. themselves, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, it turns out you just need a big old log yep. just to, yeah. Well, that's... I like how when they had modern technology, it didn't work against the way more modern Predator. So yeah. they went to the more primitive technology and it was like, yeah, this is going to work. Yeah, mm. I love that aspect of it. Yeah, you've got these, you know, ultimately the best military in the world going into this rural, you know, jungle area. Kicking ass, taking names because of their equipment. You know, mm. remote detonations and grenade launches mm. and And we see it like when they take out the gorillas. Yeah. Mm, which is a great scene of, you know, I think when we we're watching it, I said something about it being like a video game. Yeah. Mm. Just they just kept popping up. But mm. like beautifully choreographed guys. And this mm. is McTina, right? Like mm. you follow it up with Die Hard, which is another seminal piece of just action choreography. But to be honest, I didn't think I was going to enjoy this film as much as I did. Um, I, I because when I first watched it, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, it was fun, but it was sort of a bit. Uh, I I felt it was a bit sort of brainless, mm. but I feel as though this film is doing some really clever things, like yeah. the little things of the um the predator mimicking the laughter and the voice sounds of of the troops, and then using that, and then there's a point in the film where you're not sure if Dylan is following either the predator doing Mac's voice or Mac because yeah. Mac's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, I, I there was moments like that where I was like, oh, this is a it's a much deeper film than I remember it. Mm. Um, and yet it is still a schlocky 80s action film. Every every sequel after that does not take that on board. No, a, no. Like I said, Predator 2 did, was was my first exposure and was yeah. a lot more... Comic um, booky. Yeah. Shorthandy. Yeah. Okay, so this is a question. So you have seen The Predator, the mm-hmm. 2018 film mm-hmm. that has just been released. Yeah, written and directed by Shane Black. Mm-hmm, who yep. was uh, Hawkins in this yep. film. How does that film sort of stack up compared to this one? I'd say the first half I really enjoyed, the last half I didn't really enjoy. Okay. So all the subtlety and sort of nuance of the things that you sort of mentioned we've been talking about of, you know, again, the Jaws principle, mm. you know, tell, don't show and all that kind of stuff. And really build it up. And it, not only did they build it up to the monster showing itself, but then it took its mask off and you saw even more, like this mm. whole other layer of the the, the, the reveal. Uh, it's all reveal. From dot to finish, it's reveal, 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 reveal. So you lose a lot of that. They, they add more to it because mm. you've got to go somewhere from it. But I don't know. I've, I've been reading predator novels and comics and all sorts of stuff since i was a teenager mm. and some of those are really great like there's a batman versus predator comic sure, which okay. is really clever and there's judge dread versus predator there's alien versus predator versus robocop versus terminator Ooh. which is who wins about as batshit as insane as you probably imagine mm. um I can't remember because I just remember it just being a mess because there was Terminator versus Robocop, which is, you know, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Terminator has time travel and that kind of thing. There's alien versus predator. And the idea is that predators would seed planets with aliens and then go hunt them because it's, you know, it's really difficult to hunt Mm. them. And the alien versus predator 
storyline is they see this planet that then humans come and colonize and when the predators come back the aliens have overrun this planet there's a queen and it was what the alien vs predator film was loosely based on mm. but they took all of the worst parts and then set it in antarctica so all the predator stuff is like the heat wave and they come when it's a heat wave and then it's in antarctica so mm. the inside of the temple's hot but whatever yeah. um there's for for sort of you know 25 years worth of Predator story mm-hmm. done by some pretty clever authors. It was kind of a bummer, the Predator. Oh, okay. However, Predators, I really, really enjoyed Predators. So Predators is the third Predator film. It is, yeah. So, so we so have 2010. Predator, Predator 2, then a long gap yeah. where we have Alien versus Predator and Alien versus Predator Requiem. Mm. And then we have our third independent Predator film, which is Predators. And it's essentially the first film again. It's, it's very much, It was a kind of a soft reboot. Okay. Because that's 87 and then 2010. So there's a long period between that kind of, you know, mm. or even 98 was, uh, sorry, 88 was Predator 2. So it was straight away. Mm. Um, and it's a bunch of super soldiers or, you know, mercenaries or highly skilled warriors from various areas being dropped onto a game planet, essentially a game preserve mm. and hunted by predators. Mm. And so it's this kind of, it's the same thing, except it's got Adrian Brody buffed up doing like a growly, whispery voice the whole time. Okay. Um, and, you know, you look at Adrian Brody, the piano, yeah. <laughs> Adrian Brody, Predators, a little bit different. But that was that was a a good Predator film to me because it had all the things. Hmm. And it introduced, like, uber Predators because there's a Predator we saw. Are they Predators you can hire <laughs> on your phone to just, <laughs> yeah, to take just you bring you dinner? Yeah. I'm talking, like, in, in terms of uber mensch. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, which is a different tier of Uber. You have hmm. to be blonde and anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They, they establish that there's like bigger, tougher, mm. you know, a higher cast of, of, or case of, of predators. Okay. So it's just, they do a little bit of world building today. The predator expands on that in a kind of weird way that I didn't particularly enjoy. Okay. It's set on earth, which mm. can work, but to me, predator is really remote, you mm. know, and then predator two brings him to LA in the far flung future of 1997. Mm. Um, Predators is on the Predator planet, or some kind of game preserve planet, and then the Predator is back on this planet. Um, and there's a Carl Weathers type Dylan character in it. Okay. Um, there's a Schwarzeneggery type. Okay, so they character. sort of try and take some of the bits from. They've got some archetypes in there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's d- a Shane Blackie. There's two. The, the, that that character gets separated out a little bit more. So there's more. Okay. Jokes Only one and of them wears the glasses. Is there a glasses character? Or they wear like one part, they split yeah. it in half and just wear one each, <laughs> like a, a monocle. monocle. Yeah. I was very upset the body didn't have the glasses on it. I yeah, like, I was waiting for that do. as well. Just like they didn't a actually little... find the body, did they? It was just entrails. Um, well, wasn't that the body that was hanging up in yes, the tree? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did have his glasses on. Mm. Missed opportunity, Johnny Tiernan. What's going on? Mm. I, I'm sure you'll be listening to this. Right? So with the with the predator um coming to to Earth uh and, and essentially just hunting in the jungle. Mm. Um, because again, predator culture is not something that I'm overly familiar with. Um, is, is it essentially that they go there as kind of like proving their strength Mm. or is it just like a hunting holiday? Are they literally like those people that we hate on Facebook who shoot an elephant and pose (laughs) a picture? It It depends on which source you go with, but for the most part, it's kind of like a rite of passage, Mm. you know, they get dropped off on a planet, they have their weaponry, they've got to collect trophies and be collected again. And right. then they enter into the side. So, I mean, it goes, the the, the expanded law goes mm. into real depth. There's female ones and there's different, yeah, different casts of predators. And okay. they seeded all these different planets. And 
And that's why Prometheus and and then Covenant bummed me out because because so, they're connected too, aren't they? Yeah. It's a shared universe thing, right. which technically Blade Runner is also part of. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah because they mentioned some names. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, it's so basically, Sarah. It was um, it was the most recent episode of Doctor Who, uh, the Return <laughs> series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, okay. yeah, that mm-hmm. yeah. Tim Shaw is basically a Predator <laughs> ripoff. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I see it. One of those skulls was missing a tooth. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no bongos, though. The G version. No. Missed opportunity, Doctor Who. There we go. Um, this film has some great one-liners. Um, <laughs> and I knew this coming into it, uh, to, to re-watching, but I forgot how many there were. Do we have a favourite? That requires remembering. I mean, my favourite thing about this film was how few lines there were in general mm. and how most of it was just them reacting. And I think that a lot of films these days, they go so complex on the script and it gets overworked and overdone and it just becomes a mess. Mm -hmm. And just trust your actors to just do it. Mm. And we were saying there's a lot of really good eye acting from Arnie uh, when he's when he's got all the mud on him. But yeah, I think I think, again, that that process of showing instead of telling, Mm -hmm. I thought was was very um, effective. I will say stick around is still great. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, that's a very commando-esque carry on yeah but then you've got some really good ones you know you have a bleed we can kill it that's mm. those ones are really well situated mm. in the world kind of thing where a stick around is very much i feel like it was a very token arnieism yeah yeah it's like you get one arnold yeah um <laughs> obviously i ain't got time to bleed which yeah. i forgot was followed up by the brilliant uh, 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 oh oh okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Same blackism, yeah. just somebody going like that that's weird that you said that <laughs> Totally acknowledging same. how ridiculous that character is in that moment. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Of course, yeah. get to the chopper. Yeah. Um, Goddamn which... sexual Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one I didn't remember as much. Uh, but but it was it's a because pretty... it's dead, Stephen. It's dead. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very apt description of Jesse Ventura's character, though. Yes. Um, so much now. Yeah, yeah. One of the things when we were I was doing the re- the research for this, I uh, came across uh, obviously Google provides us the uh, more contemporary images <laughs> of the cast members who are still with us, and Jesse Ventura, Jesse the Body Ventura, yes, uh, now looks as though um, he looks like Christopher Lloyd would have played him in like a, an Adams Family film at some point. It's it's not a great look. <laughs> Bald everywhere except for like the monks who were around the back. Yeah. Super long jet black dyed hair it's just shocking because in this he's 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 got a he's got a pretty great face for for film like in in this mm. he's, he's you know and, and plus you know he's super buff the same year this was made um there was he was with arnie in um uh, the running man and in that he plays captain fantastic who's kind of like a sort of slightly more violent captain america <laughs> kind of character um and yeah like like it's just mm, time Ooh. oh what a waste. Yeah. Um, then he had his time. He did a lot of stuff. He did wrestling hmm. and he did politics. He, he did. He was a governor yes. for quite some time. Yeah. Is that what everyone's doing these days? Well, it seems yeah. like anyone well, goes I mean, into politics. Yeah, this film has two future US state governors in yep. Arnold and uh, and Ventura. Yeah. Sarah, you, you look a little upset about that. I'm just thinking about the state of politics and, you know... It um, has got significantly worse than just that, though. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Maybe they have really good political minds, like, in good forum, but, yeah. I don't think Ventura did. Schwarzenegger, for all evidence, seems to be, yeah. you know, mm. humanity progressive focus. Yeah. Specifically in this film I'm talking about. This is where he established his, yeah. his running platform of yeah. humans first. Yeah, humans first. Yeah. Uh, predators, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a big fan of yeah. that. Yeah. 
there's a there's an illegal alien joke in there somewhere but we'll just i was on. just thinking it yeah. and i i kept my yeah. mouth shut that was the sound of me dancing around it <laughs> <laughs> the um the, the there were a couple of bits which were I, I thought were really great in terms of building up the predator as well uh, the, the green blood mm. which feels like it's a very stereotypical science fiction thing to give the alien green blood but the fact it was like luminescent mm. um and and the way it looked in that jungle i thought i didn't mind it i didn't mm. sit there going eh, it's a bit lazy like it, it it yeah it was it was pretty cool i, I was I, surprised it wasn't flesh eating like when she touches it Oh, I like was like, aliens. don't do that. Your, your, your hand's going to burn off. Mm. Yeah, well, if you look closely, the stuff that's on the leaves in the first part of the film, because the, the key color was orange, right? Because they couldn't do a chroma key with green or blue. Cause, mm. yeah. And they, they hand-painted that luminescent. But the later stuff, because it's at nighttime, is actually a reactive chemical. So it was, a, it was a clever idea, not just from a visual design, but for a storytelling thing later on where he's following that path of blood. Because mm. it's, you know, it's... Green blood in a green jungle, like, eh. mm. so you kind of need to push it up. But there's some really clever visual design stuff in here that's mm. like really clever shorthand. Mm. Yeah. And and visually, that final confrontation between Dutch and uh, the Predator is is very engaging. Mm. Uh, you, have, you, you have the big sort of explodey start, which to me felt a little bit like a wizard fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, you shall not harvest my skull. Yeah, and then and then it, it turns into this. Um, you know, he's, he's caked in the mud and he's running around and, and trying to get a good vantage point and throwing the rocks and the occasional laser fire. And then it just it just sort of builds really nicely. And then obviously he gets trapped in the ravine um, and, and then, yeah, pulls the old uh, log switcheroo. And mm. um, it, it, it was just a really well shot thing. And I think you're right. I think the thing that makes Predator work so well is that those sequences are are incredibly tight. They're They're very well put together. And I think that that has helped this film not age too much because yeah. this film's 31 years old now doesn't feel like it yeah the, the only time it feels like it is when there's the occasional very grainy shot from uh, the the bad b camera yeah uh, and some very unsteady tripod shots here yeah. and there of and the they're well, yeah oh yeah, yeah whatever, oh, the credit sequence <laughs> yeah oh, everyone turning and smiling yeah going, the, the sitcom intro like hi yeah. nameplate i just died <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can't see us. it's not working well on a podcast but trust us it's amazing looking it, it's a beautiful look um <laughs> would you guys like some trivia about oh, predator yes the film provided a variety of hardships for the actors such mm. as leeches snakes stifling humidity heat and rough terrain. All of the night scenes were filmed during freezing cold temperatures, which was especially hard on Schwarzenegger because he's covered in mud, which was actually uh, pottery clay. But still, uh, he he had no like heat on him, basically, so he was shivering between takes. Um, they tried to help him by making him drink um, Jaeger tree, a schnapps mixture, uh, but he just got drunk, so <laughs> it, it didn't help at all. Alcohol is... You're not supposed to have alcohol when you're cold because it makes you lose heat faster. Mm. That's bad advice. Guess they didn't know that in the 80s. <laughs> Recent medical discoveries. Mm. Uh, the stick around line we were discussing before was apparently improvised by Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, when they were when they were doing the film. So Of course it was. I mean, by that point, he's done a few. So he's probably like, he's probably just like, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger might be pretty good at improv. If if we, you know, if we got him up in like a whose line is it anyway format and yeah. got him, you know, get him to do a couple of like uh, blind lines. I think he'd, I think he'd, I think he'd have a good he'd time. He'd do well. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, well, let's organize it. Yeah. I'll make uh, some calls. Yeah, and, uh, please do. Yeah. Good. Mate, Arnie. He's yeah. not doing anything these days. Yeah. Nah, he's, he's, he's got free time. <laughs> um, Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast to play the Predator. He so was. this would this movie would have had even more muscles. Um, but he... Um, the, the idea was that the, the physical action star would use his martial arts skills to make the Predator an agile ninja-type hunter. Mm. Uh, he was dropped, though, because he was too short. He's five foot nine, uh, and Schwarzenegger and the rest of his bodybuilding crew are like six foot two to six foot five. That's the official reason. Yes. There's rumors that basically... So there was, a, there was a, an original design of the alien, mm-hmm. and you've got to kind of imagine this kind of aardvark praying mantis head with this big kind of collar and crab claws. That's actually what I was thinking it was going to be. I'm yeah. not going to lie. No. And um, like I said, the chroma key was orange, right? Because mm. you couldn't use green or blue. So Van Damme was running around the jungle in this goofy looking suit, tripping over stuff. And 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 the rumor is that, first of all, he thought that's what the alien was going to look like, just orange. But then he was also worried that, yeah, he's playing the alien, but no one was ever going to see his face or know it was him. So, you know... There was discussions, and he was no longer in the film. But oh, the ego. It would have been you know, they reunited for Expendables, so that's fine. Yeah, and then uh, Kevin Peter Hall played the part, did very well, uh, mm. and is also the helicopter pilot at the end. So that's right. Van Dam would have got, would have been, you know, just there in the chopper. He would have would have been so distracted. Today, yeah. Is that Predator saved the day? When was Bloodsport? Because that was kind of the big Van Dam. Bloodsport was late. Would have been very similar timing. Yeah, I don't so, think Van Damme was like a huge star just yet. Yeah, it would have been distracting to have Jean Claude Van Damme just in a helicopter for like two shots. Yeah. Even now, you'd be like, "That's that's distracting." You'd watch him go, Van Damme. <laughs> uh, most of the casting crew suffered from travelers' diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the Mexican hotel in which they were living was having problems with water purification, uh, apparently the only ones who didn't get sick were Arnold Schwarzenegger and the director John McTiernan. But why? That's what I want to know. Like, it's because they were boozing really heavily. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, I assumed it was like they'd got like their own secret water supply. The, the, the story goes that they were boozing nonstop. Mm. And, you know, someone Arnie's size, he can put it away. Because mm. you can drink the beer and it's okay, yeah. apparently. But yeah. uh, So that's all they did. They drank booze and everyone was like, clean living, you know, got to be that. And Tina and Arnie are just like, more beer. So there you go. Hydration. Just drink alcohol and you mm. can't get. It's probably why they gave him alcohol when he was cold. They were like, it, it, yeah. we didn't get the runs, so let's yeah. let's give this a try. Let's keep it going. Um, part of the shoot was 48 hours before Arnold Schwarzenegger's wedding rehearsal dinner. Uh, Jesse Ventura teased him about his nuptials, often ruining takes. Uh, John McTiernan wasn't very happy with that. Schwarzenegger ended up missing out on the final uh, preparation, and his uh, bride-to-be, Maria Shriver, was not happy about that uh, because his mind was more on the film than their wedding. Aww. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a demanding film. Mm. But, you know, what's what's paying for that wedding? You know, he hasn't done Kindergarten Cop yet. He's not got that mad money. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, Junior. Yeah, yeah. Nah. He, well, he's still not done Terminator Two at this point, so you know no. he's, you know, no. he's he probably would have been well off. Well, well, Terminator off One did all right. It did, yeah. yeah. That established him. But yeah, you know, he was Conan still... as well. Yeah, he's so, done Conan at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Predators probably what's paying for that wedding though. So yeah. you know. But come on, you do how many predators in your life and one wedding? Not if you're Arnold. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> not if you're a Hollywood actor. Let's broaden okay, yeah, that that's out. Fair. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. I retract that comment. <laughs> Forgot about Hollywood. <laughs> 
Uh, Jesse Ventura was delighted to find out from the wardrobe department that his arms were one inch bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger's. <laughs> he suggested to Schwarzenegger that they measure arms, with the winner getting a bottle of champagne. Ventura lost because Schwarzenegger had told the wardrobe department to lie and say that Ventura's arms were bigger. That is one of my favorites. I love that bit. Because you can imagine Ventura on set going, let's measure. Now going, okay. Oh. I get the tape. Oh. How do you measure up? It, yeah, it's just, and that's one of the things I do quite like about Schwarzenegger is like he does, he just does, he does seem like the type of person that would pull pranks. Yeah, and you you wouldn't necessarily expect that because it's like you know it's the world's strongest Mister Universe guy, but I like the fact he's got a little bit of a, like a prankster Goofy. thing in him. Yeah, the Predator's blood, um, the goopy substance that was um, you know that kind of glowy light green, um, was made on set. It was a mixture of the liquid that was inside glow sticks. And KY Jelly. Mm-hmm. So, favorite weapon of choice? Probably a good after party, you'd have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the imagery speaks for itself. Mm. The Predator was first designed by a special effects company the studio picked to save money. Um, <laughs> Stan Winston later created the actual Predator design for $1.5 million. This other studio charged half that amount, but because of that, uh, the design was, as, as you described, pretty shocking. Mm. Um, it, Look it, up it, a picture if you can. It looks so bad. Mm. So, yeah, it just shows that you, you shouldn't cut corners, really, because... No. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the look of the predator still looks pretty cool. It's amazing, right? It doesn't look goofy. Oh, that well. Yeah, there's like, maybe the fingers are slightly a bit long for like doing that field surgery. Maybe the feet are pretty rubbery. Yeah, because they basically are just a big rubber foot, big rubber, you know, shoe that got pulled over. Stan Winston was designing. This is the way the story goes. Stan Winston was designing, sketching out the predator design on a plane next to Jim Cameron, and it was Jim Cameron's idea to have the mandibles and the opening, you know, vagina esque mm. mouth. So that's where it came from. I mean, Thanks, when you Cameron. work on a plane. Yeah. Mm. You know, you meet these people and they add vaginasty things. That's how Same. it works on planes. That happens to me so often. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you sat next to James Cameron, then fair <laughs> there's a reason he went down the Marianas Trench. You know, he's got he's got some issues. <laughs> Wow, that was a long boat of draw, but I respect it. Thank you. Um, the sound editors called the Predator's shoulder gun the parrot gun because uh, when it moved <laughs> independent of the Predator while aiming, it reminded them of, quote, Peter Sellers with a rubber parrot on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've just got the idea of Peter Sellers, but from the Pink Panther, yeah. just walking around. <laughs> just going. Over here. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> Does your predator bite? No. <laughs> you said it didn't bite. That is not my predator. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's an untapped spin-off market right mm. here. The pink predator. Yeah. I would watch that. Um, in an interview, Carl Weathers said the actors would secretly wake up as early as 3am to work out before the day's shooting. Weathers also stated that he would act as if his physique had been given to him naturally and would work out when the other actors were nowhere around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh wow, the masculinity! Of course. Of course. Uh, Shane Black hated the glasses he had to wear as Hawkins. He wanted to wear authentic military issue ballistic goggles, uh, but John McTiernan wanted him to look as geeky as possible. So it worked. It did. It looked like a big old dog, but uh, but it was him and Poncho. They look like clones. They are very similar. Yeah, needed something. I, I would have shaved one of their heads or something. Mm. There wasn't enough to differentiate. Well, Hawkins them. was originally supposed to wear a distinctive red beret. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the US Army's maroon airborne berets uh, that paratroopers wear. Shane Black didn't really like it though because he thought it would look ridiculous in the jungle. Um, although yeah. he has later come out and said that he regretted that because it would have made his character stand out more. Yeah. 
So, you know, but you know, you learn the hard way sometimes. <laughs> uh, the famous clicking and gurgling sound the Predator makes throughout the movie was thought up by Peter Cullen. Peter Optimus Prime Cullen. Mm-hmm. Um, after the producers approached him to give the Predator, quote, a voice, uh, he was taken aback because he had no idea what something like the Predator was supposed to sound like. Uh, also because they weren't going to show him an image of what it was. Uh, so he was like, I-, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. When he eventually saw a design, um, he thought thought that the predator resembled a horseshoe crab and so the gurgle um clicking noise is the same noise that you make if you turned one over like he remembered doing that as a kid like you know playing with horseshoe crabs and so he was trying to mimic that noise um and it works it's pretty gross it's it's pretty yeah it's a weird it's very alien as a vocalization i love it mm. you can you can kind of do it i used to be able to do it like but you got a click in the back of your throat mm. I'm no Peter Kahn. I'm just Brett Cullen. That's true. <laughs> um, an attempt was made to get shots of the Predator swinging from tree to tree using a monkey in a red special effects suit. That footage is on the DVD, actually. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few shots of that. The reason exist. they didn't do it, though, uh, the monkey kept taking the suit off. So <laughs> they just that went, monkey ain't no alien. Yeah, this seems like a bad idea, guys. <laughs> Maybe we could paint the monkey red. No. No. Well, no. no we already we got to kill that scorpion. We're not, we, we, we've um, kicked that vulture. We're not, we're not hurting any more animals in this film. Like, that's oh, I forgot to look unnecessary. Out. I forgot to look out for the no animals were harmed in the making of this, but I think that's pre that message. That's pre that message. They didn't care. Mm. Uh, the studio's insurance company would not agree to insure the production unless a bodyguard was hired for Sonny Landham, who played Billy, uh, for the sole purpose of protecting people from Sonny. Mm. Um, the bodyguard followed Sonny everywhere to ensure he didn't get in a fight since he was well known to be violent and short-tempered. Mm-hmm. You you might need to examine your life if the studio's <laughs> like, we're hiring a bodyguard not for you, but for everyone you. else. <laughs> I mean, it probably worked, though, because the, the, the characters, it doesn't have a lot to do with the other characters, except for Arnie. And you can't imagine Arnie being that intimidated, or at least not showing it, I guess. But mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing to put in your resume. Requires bodyguard. <laughs> Just don't say why. <laughs> um, the studio would not allow John McTiernan to shoot this film in anamorphic widescreen due mm. to the complexities of the optical effects. As a sly retaliation, he added an anamorphic version of the film's opening 20th Century Fox logo, which looks notably stretched on the screen. Yes, it does. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Mm. This is all zoom-in and mashed and, yeah. Yeah. I love big-scale pettiness like that. It's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Just yeah. a leisure film with that level of pettiness. Yeah. It's beautiful. John McTiernan was keen to make the comrade banter between the soldiers as real as possible. To help this along, the cast trained together on location with weapons, fitness, and a military training regime that started at 6am every morning, except for those guys who got up early, Mm. Um, and included training in the silent hand signal scene throughout the film. Um, I think that worked really well. Mm. It did feel like there was a natural chemistry there between all those guys. Mm. Yeah. And you'd want it to be there. I mean, they've they've apparently, you know, before this film being, you know, on many missions in the past. So you want to see that. And I think as an actor, that's something I'd want to do, you know, mm. in the lead up to filming is spend time training with the people you're going to be hanging out with and apparently having a close bond with. Well, give us a close bond. Don't yeah. just expect it to magically happen in front of the camera. Mm. Well, they did that with um, Saving Private Ryan. So they got everyone to train together in the same military and then they didn't let Matt Damon do it because, you know. They wanted that outsider authenticity. And I think that's a really, like you said, like as an actor, that's what you want, right? Because mm. you don't have to act then. You're just, you're using what you've got, which yeah. mm. 
and it, and it really shows on the screen you know arnie and all the rest of them i think that's one of the best sort of like team things and i think that's where for instance going back to the predator mm. they have a ver- they have the same kind of dynamic you've got all these different soldiers and stuff like that mm. but it doesn't and i mean it looks like they had fun but it doesn't look like they're a tight-knit unit of um badass bodybuilders yeah yeah it just doesn't it doesn't work the same i don't it's hard to recreate the magic, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's using the method well because I, I have an issue um, with method actors mm. because you know they take it. To, they do the American version of the method, which isn't the method. Mm. But when you actually like have this bonding and you, and you live it without actually living the you know the psychology of it, that's the good stuff. But yeah. when you you know go too far and start sending dead fish to people, that's when you're just an asshole. Yeah. For those of you playing uh, Cinema Cantrip Club Bingo at the moment, you may check off the square. Guest has problem with method acting. <laughs> when they started shooting in the jungle, 300 Mexican crew members showed up. It was about 200 more than they needed. <laughs> wow. I just like the idea of all these guys turning going, yeah, we'll help. And then, uh, hmm. <laughs> can we get you. like 50 of you, you to like find a pig and a scorpion? We'll need them later. <laughs> yeah. Is your scorpion? Um, in uh, real life, there is a goblin spider species called... Predator Ronopus Blaine, named after Blaine Cooper uh, and indeed um, the Predator. Mm. Indeed, every member of the Predatoronops genus has a name that references Predator due to the perceived similarities between the spider's mouth parts and the mandibles of the Predator in the film. I love that. I Mm. love when scientists are pop culture nerds too. Because scientists are such nerds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're professional nerds. They are professional nerds. Stop quoting yourself, Stephen. That's unprofessional. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Jesse Ventura said that firing the minigun is, quote, like shooting a chainsaw, end quote, (laughs) which I think is the best description for anything I've heard this week. And, like, they they portray that well. Mm. They portray that well. Because most of those gun sound effects are really pumped up. They're not that punchy, but... The the and I think I mentioned that when we were saying the score was fantastic as well. And of yeah, course. it's Silvestri. Mm. Um, you know, he's he's just finished Back to the Future, and he's like, mm, need to do something a bit different now. <laughs> I, I really like. Let's get some bongos in here. Let's. <laughs> just want to try this out. But it's great. It's kind of. I don't know. It's more. I don't want to say racist, but it's like let's get some some ethnic instruments. <laughs> let's get something that sounds like the jungle. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, well, I mean, if if you do have an audience which is you know for at this point uh, about fifty to sixty years of um, of going to the cinema and associating a jungle setting with a bongo type drum, yep. it makes sense to utilize that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't have anyone physically playing the bongos in the film that i think i oh, know there's a deleted scene that. where the predator's playing bongos oh. before the fight it's the musical number fight. yeah mm. they cut that mm. what a, a shame waste. Waste. um jesse ventura pulled a prank on arnold schwarzenegger by pouring water over himself whilst at the gym before arnold arrived thinking that ventura was drenched in sweat arnold believed that ventura had been working out longer than he usually did so he then started doing his workout sooner um, this then led eventually to everyone turning up at 3am to try and outdo each other. <laughs> wow. Yeah. See, the machismo wow. wasn't fictional. Yeah, they it just, was real. They just pointed a camera at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a huge dick measuring contest. Mm. Yep. And finally, uh, it is alleged that in the early 90s, the Department of Defense tested a form of camouflage that used millions of fiber optic cables to mirror the opposite side of the object to be hidden. They got this idea from Predator. Mm-hmm. which I just, I do like when, when you know, culture and, and art and films like that do influence real life things. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I, 
yeah, that just made me very happy to read that. <laughs> it's when you know that the artists have it right. Yeah. Mm. As far as you know, it didn't work, but there's consumer level stuff that has worked mm. with fiber optics. Basically, there's a, there's a fiber optic uh, jumper and it's, it's, the contrast isn't right in that, but like it shows what's behind you. So, you mm. know, whatever the military have, we won't know about for <laughs> 30, 40 years. Mm. Mm. One thing I want to add yes. is the parallels between this and Aliens, again, James Cameron. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar movie. And same thing. There's this squad of, you know, super soldiers who are supposed to be the best of the best. And they go in and there's this alien threat that just makes them look inept. Mm. You know, it's the same thing. And I think that's why those worlds, they went... Because the actual crossover point for those two franchises are at the end of Predator 2. Spoilers, you know. Um, we see inside a Predator ship and there's like a trophy case of skulls. One of the skulls is the xenomorph skull. You know, the big, long, you know, penile shaped yeah. one. Mm. Uh, and... I remember as a kid, my brother and I would pause that moment and just go, oh, and this was before like the proper, you know, yeah. franchises were established and stuff like that. But mm. then, yeah, the idea of having, you know, space Marines versus, you know, special ops, earth people versus the predator versus the aliens, like mm. it's a perfect marriage. And then the movie came out and, uh, it was not the perfect marriage. No, no. It should have been a very early divorce. Let's say. <laughs> no mm. pausing and gasping there. No. Well, there was, but for the wrong reasons. Mm. I can't believe this is what they did with it. I know. Well, that brings us to uh, the end of our review of Predator. All that remains is to score. So, uh, we'll start with you, Sarah. It was your first time watching Predator, brackets, 1987. Um, <laughs> so, what score would you give it out of 10? Oh, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, it's a surprising enjoy for me because it's not usually my type of film. But, you know, it got me. Um, so, I will give it um, seven and a half bits of wood. Out of ten, mm. you're gonna you're gonna whack uh, Carl Weathers with that if you yeah, get the chance. So much wood. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you, Brett? What, what's this film? Oh get? God, I don't know. It's so hard to be objective because it's, it's you know I know it by rote, but I'm gonna just have to say like, oh, let's say nine bongo solos out of ten. Mm. I mean, it's very good. It's very um, I, good. I, I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by how much better it is than I remember. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, a, just a really enjoyable, um, and not too gory, but that little bit of gore that just kind of keeps you going. You, you know, like the, I, I think it's Hawkins, like yeah. you know things like that, where it's like, oh, what's he done? That's so gross. Oh. Um, yeah, very enjoyable. Um, I, I, I feel as though it could potentially have been slightly, slightly better, but not by much. I think, to be honest, more. Um, it was very tight. It was very yeah. well told. Maybe some of the. Um, uh, you know things like um mac having a face after it getting blown off you know little things little like that little inconsistencies yeah not yeah. to get too nitpicky but ultimately um very enjoyable so i i would give it um I, i'm going to give it i'm going to give it seven and a half um abused vultures out of <laughs> out of 10 um Poor that was the most confronting thing in this it was film a just big old kick too yeah. <laughs> poor vultures just there acting like this is my moment kick yeah Better go back to the cartoons. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but that does bring us to the end of this episode. So, uh, Sarah and Brett, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Okay. And for those of you listening at home, oh boy, there's so many ways for you to get in touch with us. We're on Facebook. You know, like your mum and, and all your other relatives. Uh, you can find us there by searching the Cinema Catch-Up Club and you can... Oh, there's so many things you can do. You can like us. You can. Is poking still a thing on Facebook? 
You can wave, I think. Yeah, I you can know. wave. Can you poke? It's very aggressive yeah. in, this, in this current climate. Who I'll tell you what you can do, actually. You can send us suggestions for films that you would like to see reviewed on the show. You can also vote in polls when they go up. Uh, our Halloween poll will have uh, just finished, um, so looking forward to more graphic horror soon we're also available on patreon if you're like you know what i would like to be a member of their club and provide a small financial stipend towards them then you may do so just go to www.patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and you get a few bonus extra goodies and of course if you like this episode and you're like hmm i hope there's 78 more i can listen to right now Boy, have we got you covered. Uh, just go to <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud, or any other podcasting or podcatching service and search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And you can go back, you can hear our review of Alien all the way back in um, April or May 2017. Um, you can, you know, we can have an actual Alien versus Predator contest. What? Just yeah. splice those together. Yeah. And then anywhere that you need to cover the edits, bongos. Exactly. Beautiful. Uh, but that is just all. Just like your mum. But until next time. Get to the chopper! That was the worst impression. That was damn. Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! That was bad. Go! Get to the chopper! Go! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. So this is where we put the ads, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if people want to advertise on here, they are... We just have an ad break and, mm. you know, we'll just, we'll just go... We'll just record. Mm. We'll spend an afternoon just recording fake commercials. Can we, we please? Sure. To do some fake commercials. Brought to you by Sexual Tyrannosaurus Tobacco. <laughs> Everything you need to die in the jungle horribly. Mm. Smoke that one, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Always spit, never swallow. <laughs> <laughs>